Greetings and welcome to Statsborn Podcast. And this one is different, but exciting. Isn't that right, Ted Knutson? It's a very special edition of the Statsborn Podcast. We promise to break your heart and make you cry, just like in all the special editions of the television shows you watched as a kid. <laughs> There's a lot going on. I mean, uh, we haven't done any podcasts recently because we've been super busy working. And uh, we've said that a couple of times about the place. But the question is, what have we been working on, Ted? We, StatsBomb, are turning into a data provider. And we have been, over the last nine months, um, dutifully carving out what we wanted to collect and how we wanted to collect it. And then going through all the pain of collection and scaling. And it is just a massive undertaking. And you know, after, after we've gone through all this pain, you understand why why. You know, people just don't start up collecting their own data because it's very difficult. But we are, and we've done it, and it exists. Um, and because of that, we are shifting a lot of focus around, and we've got our very special launch. You guys will be listening to this on the 10th, but we actually had our launch day on the 9th. We are, in fact, recording this ahead of time because next week's going to be insane. Um, but we're going to talk about a lot of the stuff that is going to happen at the launch or, you know, for those of you listening in current time, will have already happened and start to appear on the website. So, yes, StatsBomb now has StatsBomb data. Which is exciting because uh, one of the things about StatsBomb data is we get to put some things in it that we might want to look at. Yes. So, you know, when you look at some of the, the current data specs out there, they're not necessarily that new. Like some new information may have been included, but... We feel like the game and, and the way we analyze the game has changed a lot. So why did we do this, right? Why did we start collecting data? Uh, sometime in 2017, you know, we, we started looking around at different data providers uh, and seeing what the products were out there. Um, you know, we kind of have worked with, uh, with Opta for the long term. Um, and it, it had been like a really good relationship, but at a certain point, we were like, all right, well, you know, what do these other places have to offer? And we looked at, most of the data providers on the market, you can't get tracking data uh, on a broad scale, and that's still true right now. Uh, so we couldn't just sort of switch over to that to, to sort of you know, move the discipline ahead. But what we were finding was, you know, some places that didn't have enough breadth of data, they didn't have enough coverage. Other places, their stuff was just really error-riddled, and you know, the only thing that's that's worse than no data is bad data, especially when you have to walk into a room and justify your opinions and your analysis to coaches and football people. Like, if your data is bad, uh, you're starting off on a really bad foot. So we decided to to eventually take a look at it and and see if we could craft our own. Um, and there were a number of people who kind of, you know, I said, hey, if you had kind of the ideal data set, what would you do inside of it? How would you look at it? And, you know, this... It's very valuable to have quite a few members of the community, both inside and outside of football, to be able to help answer those questions. Um, so we we decided to to basically craft our own um, set of of specifications and then uh, get to work. And that started a very long time ago, and a small proof of concept, and just kept getting bigger and bigger. And and now we have a chance to be we. We started out at medium size, I guess, in the 17-18 season, and um, we'll be we'll have I think 11 leagues done by by the end of the summer there. And then for the 18-19 season, we will be around 30 leagues, and also going backwards to help build up sample size, which is, you know, in my mind, is huge. Yeah, it's definitely it's important to you know get get a decent sample for um, you know multiple leagues across multiple seasons. Uh, as as best we can and we've done that so many people have been involved in in this process um it's been a huge undertaking and you know to get to this stage where we're actually at launch is uh you know really really genuinely exciting and um we can move forward and like talk about like what have we what have we put into the data ted that actually um you know makes it something we can do more with something we can play with and examine and prod and poke and you know turn into something new well, we're kind of rubbing up against what we could do with the current data sets in some ways. We explored a lot of stuff. There's only so many additional factors you can add to models without making them overfit. Um, some things you just you, know, you do your best with it, and you can emphasize different variables to, to create slightly different outcomes. But 
at a certain point, we just needed to have more information. And uh, in my presentation for uh, the, the expected goals and, and beyond expected goals, what we're going to call chance quality, so we don't confuse the two, there's naive expected goals, which is kind of the traditional what we've looked at. And then we're going to call it chance quality because our stuff includes the position of the defenders and also the position of the goalkeeper. Not just you know number of players between the ball and the goal, but like the actual position of players, including you know some somewhat attackers. So you might be able to get a gravity effect out of that, uh, like basketball has. And so like that's the first major upgrade, and that's fairly obvious. But um, one of the reasons why we went this way is a few years ago I was in a, an interview. Uh, for a head coaching position uh, at Mitchell and and Bob Bradley was in the room and we were talking to Bob about kind of what we've done and, and Bob's fairly intense uh, also like you know willing to talk and, and really argue about ideas and kind of like that like being able to you know somebody pushes back a bit and says well I don't like this and I don't like that and you know Bob's been around a long time but he actually is a very active learner um, so Bob was like well you know Teddy you can't tell me if I've got two guys on on a player that's getting a header in the box, whether that's the same quality chance as if there's nobody around him. And you know, if I've got two guys on him and, and we're bodying him as he's trying to go for the ball, like that's a very difficult chance and, and that has a big impact on it. And I was like, you know, coach, you're right. Um, unfortunately, we look at like 25 leagues right now and we're looking for players that are bargains across all the different world and we can't take your eyes and, and say, you know, Bob Bradley can evaluate every chance and tell us which ones are good or bad. <laughs> and he's like, well, yeah, you know. Uh, and in terms of you know, being able to recruit players that are good at that type of stuff, I think we did probably a pretty good job um, inside of Brentford and Michelin and also on the consulting side overall. But this is one major area that anybody with a pair of eyes and every uh, individual on television that has played the game and, and is a talking head would say that, well, yeah, you just don't have this information, so it's not good enough. Now we do. <laughs> now we do. That's a big deal, yeah. I mean, we shouldn't under, under, undersell this. Like, you know, literally every every player that's in the frame, that on, on every shot in every game that we collect, we have a location for. So we understand like how much pressure uh how much you know how many players are in the way and a few players in the frame is you know was it was it a fast break in some way there's there's, there's all sorts of uh you know different angles you can approach this up. I'll, I'll put this i'll put this picture out at some point uh i was playing around with the data last week and uh, <laughs> i created a game called burnley or bug <laughs> i'm like hmm is this a bug in how we're plotting this or did burnley actually have like nine guys inside the six yard box on a corner yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that it was burnley not a bug <laughs> and the, this is the thing i mean actually knowing where all the defenders are um, like we should be able to isolate uh variance in expected goals because of these kind of things like yes it is harder to score if there's nine guys in the six yard box blocking your shot and uh that's that's the kind of thing that we're hoping to bring out of this data or on the other side like a 1v1 chance from from like sort of seven yards out on the keeper is like a 45 percent or maybe a little bit more maybe it's maybe it's like you know 50 55 percent but if the if that chance results from an additional pass like that square pass that city often make that probably sterling has, has scored a lot of these this year or Messi and neymar or whatever if that if that 1v1 chance against the keeper now has an extra pass attached to it even from exactly the same distance, that becomes something like a 95% chance. And that has a half goal difference in, in some cases on your actual expected goal production there. Um, and the reality is like every expected goal has a probability of cloud around it. And you don't see this because it's hard to convey and it's difficult to talk about. Um, I, I have a reputation for, for kind of like, you know, big claims and everything like that. But I think we've kind of backed that up over time. And you know, James telling me not to undersell something. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm cautious about it because we don't know. Like, this is the early steps of a brand new data set. And we think that it's considerably better in an awful lot of ways. And also, because we're collecting this information, it's going to change a little bit how we view the other data sets and, and the weaknesses inside of those, uh, which I think is also going to be intriguing from a research perspective. So I, I don't know. Like, so that, that's like the first thing. And it's the most in, obvious thing. In specific, you know, specifically in regard to this, like it's bringing more objectivity into analyzing the shot process and that's got to be a good thing yeah absolutely and and i think that it's huge and it also it makes it easier to talk to coaches about this because now you've got this extra information 
And you can say, yes, well, the model knows that. And the model's seen, you know, 2,000 shots in a similar circumstance. That we think that it has this impact on the probability of, of scoring a goal. It creates a lot more complexity, like a lot, a lot. Because instead of being what we call the naive, um, you know, naive XG, where, where literally you just have the shot occurred from here, and we know kind of how, you know, what type of shot it is and what the buildup looked like in, in many cases. Now you've got all this extra information in front of you. It's, it's like looking forward at the goal and there's nothing in front of you. Uh, and like there's all these ghosts of, of history's past. And now instead of that, we've clarified all of it and saying looking forward to the goal and you see exactly what's in front of you. And, and that's how the probability of the shot is going to be built. So that's pretty cool. And that's just the first thing. So what's the second thing, James? The second thing we've got is pressure. That's a hot topic around football. Pressure. Where are these players coming from? What are they doing? Are they pressuring uh, the opposition? Is a pass hard because some guys cannoning into him? Would you like to elucidate, Ted? Well, I think you you probably have some pretty good insight on this. So, so James actually, as part of our testing process, has has gone back through tons of video to make sure that the sequencing looks right and the way we're collecting pressure is correct. And and pressure has some complexity inside of it because what you realize when you start kind of plotting this information, defining it is that a pressure against a forward comes from a much closer range than a pressure against a goalkeeper. And the reason why is like a forward who's in the opposition final third, if he makes a mistake, then the ball's coming back the other way. But, you know, who knows what could happen? You could gag and press it. It's, it's not a big deal. If a keeper makes a mistake, it's a goal. And, and because of that, they, you know, you would say that somebody bearing down on the goalkeeper, he's got to get rid of the ball and, and the pressure comes from a bit further away. So there's some nuance about it. And we've tried to be as objective as possible about this, about our entire new data set. We tried to take subjectivity and, and put it to the side. This has some subjective elements, but generally, when you've watched it, how have you felt about it? It's a really useful kind of way of just seeing how teams uh, approach each other. I pulled a clip out recently, uh, and ostensibly, it's, uh, it's uh, I think it's from an Arsenal game, uh, it's, a, it's three passes in defence, and then uh, a longer pass that goes, goes through to the goalkeeper. And if I say that to you, it's like, right, okay, that's that's that. Now, if you actually like add in the pressure factors, the first pass, uh, the moment the first pass is made, it triggers uh, pressure from uh, the op- opposition forward, who chases down the centre-back, who then <laughs> punts it on quickly to the full-back, uh, who is also pressured, and he quickly gets rid of it, by kind of like launching it forward and it goes through to the keeper and immediately you've got more insight into like why that little passage of play occurred because whereas it just looked like you know superficially it just looks like a series of passes and then like you know a pass that went awry now we know now because we have pressure and we've we've recorded the data to indicate the pressure that the the second two passes in the sequence were under pressure and therefore the players were hurried, made decisions quicker than they would have liked to and therefore gave the ball away. Now, map that across uh, whole games, whole seasons, uh, and you've got a hell of a lot of insight into uh, how teams approach um, their style of play and their pressing interactions. And there's hundreds in every game. It's a, it's so that's... That's like the really fascinating thing. Uh, so current data as it exists is almost exclusively on the ball data and you get some tackles, some interceptions, um, some minor stuff like that. So you're looking at 800 passes, sometimes 900 passes. What we're finding with pressures is that in many cases we're seeing 350, 400 pressures inside of a game. And these are all off the ball. These are interactions toward the ball, but they're not the people with the ball. That is an enormous amount of information on defender positioning and where teams are defending and who they're picking on. And so there are tactical things inside of this that are extremely important that we're going to be able to pick out. And teams with this information should hopefully be able to have a lot more info on explicitly what is happening, what has happened in terms of game plan, uh, what is happening in our own team um, you know, one of the cool things that I was I was thinking about, like kind of from a, a zonal perspective, is <clears throat> you can start to take your game model, whatever your game model is. Uh, say say when the ball gets in this zone, we need to be have somebody on top of the ball pressuring the ball within you know a half second 
or a second or something like that. And you can have different game models in that way. And it's a very detailed game model, but I know some, some coaches that, that think that way. And you can start to say, all right, during our whole game, what happened? You know, when the ball got into these different zones, how quickly did we pressure it? Um, if Who pressed it? So like, normally it's going to be this guy, but maybe in a couple cases it was this guy. Why did that happen? And you start to get a little more information as to dig into it and say, you know, did we have a breakdown here? Did we have a breakdown here? And these don't necessarily have to be things that, that lead to shots. Like They could just be a breakdown in assignment or role that you can then specifically coach on. And the coaching points that come out of this is, is very, very strong. So we're excited about pressure. And I think uh, the presentation on pressure for our launch event uh, is going to be from Will Gerpenar Morgan. He's going to take a look at, at Liverpool, but also more broadly what's happening. That plus the the um, freeze frame information with defender locations give you a lot more information about where defenders actually are. Yeah, I think one thing I'd like to add on pressure is like you know, defensive metrics have, have you know, long been problematic. Uh, you know, for um, you know the wider community to kind of gather insight about you know a tackle or an interception or something there might be i don't know 20 40 instances per game immediately like we've, we've generated a metric that has 10 times that exactly and, <laughs> you know it's 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 suddenly bringing so much extra data points into into the process and also relating the data points between the opposition and so you know so you've got the passing and the pressure under <laughs> passing under pressure and so on. So actually understanding players who are good at maintaining possession under pressure or find space without pressure. You know, who who are the who are the players that are good at evading pressure and never pressured. You know, there's the more you think about this, the more you think that <laughs> the ways to investigate it. And it's yeah, that's as least as much as anything the exciting part of this. So I was when I started to design the spec, um, yeah, I kind of designed the pressure in there. I care about it. A lot of our, our work behind the scenes cares about it. We know the, that it matters in a lot of ways. And what we realized was that, or what I realized was that actions under pressure, which is kind of what James was talking about there, is its own thing. And if you can invert the pressure and find out who is being pressed, uh, then you suddenly have what we call actions under pressure. And actions under pressure changes literally everything about your data, and it changes all of your models, and it breaks every passing model in the world right in half. And this is kind of what what I mentioned. I said, you know, we'll we'll talk about it in the future uh, in some teaser stuff on Twitter. But you know, we we talk about, hey, this guy completed this percentage of passes. Well, that's not good enough. And then you know, this pass, particular pass from this place to this place uh, in this league. Uh, that has this expected completion percentage. And that is something a little bit better. And we have done a decent job in the data set of, of bringing those things to life. Not perfect. What you find is that every model has holes. And sometimes with certain models, you know, you can readjust it to try and fix those holes, but then you end up with new holes. And those new holes take time to figure out and discover. Anyway, with passing, we now have, okay, this pass was unopposed. And this pass was unopposed. But then this pass was under pressure. And so suddenly you get a hugely different context around that pass. And in many cases, that pass was not only pressure, but then you find out that the guy that was attempting to receive it was also immediately under pressure. And this is the type of, of change that we think is a structural, fundamental, enormous shift in how you analyze the game. And, and so what James was saying there is, is very true. Like you not only can find um, you know how guys do when they're pressed, which suddenly becomes an interesting thing to to build opposition game game models on. Like, oh, this center back actually handles the press fairly well, but this center back doesn't. So we want to restrict um, this this player, or when he passes it, you know, these types of things happen. That's really really cool, and it's immediately applicable on the pitch. But the other thing that you can find is is suddenly like, who are guys that are receiving the ball in interesting areas, like say the opposition half or the final third that aren't immediately pressed. They're receiving the ball in space. That suddenly should become possible with this type of, of metric. And so we, out of all the stuff that we've got, you know, some things were obvious, uh, pressure probably a little less obvious. Actions under pressure, we think, is, is the biggest single deal. And, and we'll find out over time because it's, it's brand new and I don't think that it exists elsewhere. But we think that it changes just so many things about how you evaluate player actions on the football pitch. 
What else have we got? We've got um, ball receipt. It's quite useful. So that's that's a subtle one. You know, you might not you might not think of it as, as such a big deal. But we've got we've got a target for for all our, all of our passes or vast majority of our passes. As, as many as possible, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the way, where you can ascertain it. So immediately you've got a little a little bit more information again to understand like. You know, in, finding intention, you know, in data, it's not the most straightforward thing to do always, but we've moved towards like an added factor there. I think the <laughs> the thing that I like, just because it's like a subject that uh, I've looked at over the years, is uh, the next thing, and that's passing footedness or passing body part, I should say. Um, it frustrates me that you haven't necessarily been able to identify that. Uh, that in data before because it feels like such an obvious natural thing to do um understand how one-footed players are understand how effective they are with their wrong foot or with their right foot and again you can map all this all this it all links together that's the beauty of this you can map all this back into the pressure because if you understand i mean it's very simple uh, conceit but if you understand that if you force a player onto his weaker foot and put pressure on him he's hopeless then that's really useful to know. And if you can just pull that out of data, uh, map it across 30 leagues, and use it as part of your analysis as to understanding of how good a player is, this is a big step forward. So yeah, we think the passing stuff gets a uh, gets a lot of subtle, like small upgrades, but but things that that can matter, especially as you as you get deeper into the data and, and analysis on it. So you get the footedness, which is very cool, and and finding two-footed players is is great, and you get to find out to some extent potentially how much a guy falls off when you put shift him to his weak foot and how much he doesn't. Uh, very, very useful information, especially for, for young players. And if you take that like down through the academy, you can find out all sorts of really kick-ass things on player development. Uh, we also get the intended recipient, which is cool. Uh, we get the actual duration of the pass, which I think is, is a fairly subtle thing, but it doesn't have to be derived anymore, so you get a little more accuracy there. And you also get like a height, so you can tell if the, the pass was on the ground or sort of at, at a medium height or above head height. Um, all of which is just like you know small stuff, but hopefully it adds up to to a, a reasonable upgrade. And the final thing that we've got is goalkeeper information. I mean, it's not really the final thing. There's more stuff packed in, but the final major thing to talk about is is goalkeeper information. And it's a frustrating area for analysts for a very long time <laughs> because when you when you build goalkeeper stuff, you're like, well, I have some very basic information, but I can't even tell you whether a guy was like in the right spot when a, a shot occurred. Um, so one of the the uh, talks at our launch uh, by Derek Yam, who's our new data scientist, he's giving uh, sort of a goalkeeper framework for analysis and like how do we look at different goalkeepers. And one of the, the cool things is that you can take the shot was from here. The goalkeeper was in this position. His average position looked really good. You can start to, to build kind of distributions of, of his average position based on any number of things. You might be able to find out that if you have an extra attacker, it in in the frame, like it often changes the goalkeeper's you know optimal position because you might have to worry about the cross or the ball played across or whatever. There's all sorts of little elements inside of there. Uh, we've got a proxy for shot power. Um, it's not subjective. At least we've tried to avoid that. So hopefully it's uh, it, it has a little bit of clarity. Uh, it might be fuzzy, but if you get a bit of signal on that type of thing, then you might be able to say, okay, from this starting point when the shot went off, this keeper actually made a save and we build a range factor to, to say that you know, the range of this keeper might be a bit bigger than the other one, especially as you build up sample sizes over time. So that's another kind of cool little wrinkle inside of it. Um, so we definitely spent some time thinking about how do we improve your ability to evaluate goalkeepers in this data set, and we hope that, that we've succeeded there too. As much as anything, if you're an analyst and you know, you're looking at getting involved with this data, in some way then the exciting part is how you can relate all these different factors together because individually they're all like new factors that people haven't had the information to the data to use uh, and analyze but also together the, the potential is huge absolutely huge to find you know for new insights and i think that's where we're at because we've done a lot with the data that we've had everyone has and new data just moves the needle and makes makes everything so much more interesting and so much more potentially fun because there's all these new insights that you know we were out of reach before and because of this new data they're not anymore so 
Yeah, I, I, I remember Simon Glebe saying for years, you know, that I don't think that anybody's really sort of gotten towards the end of what can be done with, with regular event data. And I don't know if we were at the end, but we could certainly see the end. And, you know, tracking data right now, you can't get at scale. Like even the Premier League teams, you, know, you can get your own tracking data. You can get the teams um, in your league, which is a change like that had to be enforced by the FA, I think. Uh, not the FA, but the league itself. And then, like, you can probably get the Champions League. But, you know, you can't get the guys that you're looking at uh, in terms of scouting and stuff. You can't get your low knees. So, like, that's not really going to change as far as we can tell for the foreseeable future. There are also all sorts of issues with getting tracking data off of uh, off of broadcast video, which we've looked at. Uh, some of the, the very basic stuff that, that Martin Eastwood did at the last OptiForum with regard to tracking data and shape and things that you would do inside the NBA that's, that's pretty cool. Like, you just can't do it with the information off broadcast because your pitch is so, so, so much bigger than the court um, on the NBA uh, or the hockey rink. Uh, so, like, they've been able to have some success with things like that there. We, we, we think that's a, a big problem. For football generally, so and scaling's an issue as well. I mean, the the, yep. the idea that you know you we you'd love to have you know complete tracking data for every single game you could think of, but that's just not going to happen. So you know we we had to devise something that that would fit across multiple leagues, like pretty much any league that you you care to <laughs> you care to submit kind of thing. You could you could generate our data from, and that's super useful again for like you know scouting and um, just analysis, just understanding understanding the game in a broader sense across its many, many leagues and many, many players across the world. And it's kind of a funny thing because, you know, this is done still off of fairly traditional stuff. It's, uh, you know, we are watching video and, and collecting the information and it's not going to be perfect and we know that, um, but we are going to make it as perfect as possible and we're going to continue to upgrade it. And the cool part about owning your own your own data collection company is, is you can dictate like what gets collected and you can upgrade it over the years and we have the ability and the flexibility now to do all sorts of things if somebody has a good idea and we proof it and we make sure that it can be collected uh you know it can get added to the data spec for for an hour for the future uh so that's like really awesome yeah i've done lots of checking i'm confident that um statsborn data's quality is uh, at least at least par with anything else on the market well in related notes to that, we're going to shift into the very special section of the podcast. I mean, yes, okay, it's very special that we have our own data, and that's awesome, and we're super excited about it, and you're going to see all sorts of cool stuff come out about that. But There's other we're things now, happening, isn't there? That's there not, are that's not just it. <laughs> that's, that's the bedrock, which other things are going to be built from. James, I, I need to tell you something. Whoa. You're fired. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I knew I was fired. In a way, in a way. So James produced a a, a press release, I guess, as you would. <laughs> uh, but also a big thank you to everybody who had written for Statsbomb over the years, um, especially when he's been managing editor, which he no longer is. Yeah, that's the that's the big difference, isn't it? Because basically, I did. I mean, I, we haven't done. I've been working for the company for the last six months, and Statsbomb as a website has, has, you know, we've done a handful of podcasts. It's been a few articles, but it's, it's it's wound down a little bit, and that's a shame. But is it? But is it? But anyway, uh, so it's yeah, intentional. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm not. I was managing editor since uh, what was it June 2015? No, May 2015. And we, it's been great. We've done loads of things. Loads of people come on, done really smart work. And yeah, my full time job is now for Statsbomb uh, Services, and I ain't doing that anymore. Why is that, Ted? Why is that? Because now that we control our own data, we have the ability to do with that data what we want. Mm-hmm. Which in this case means rebuilding Statsbomb Prime, uh, a bit like Optimus Prime, uh, into something that I kind of always wanted to do. Um, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, what I can say is that we have hired a new managing editor. Oh, and who's that? Is it anyone anyone's heard of? He, what is his name again? Uh, starts with. Which Mike is it? That's always the toughest question, right? So, yeah, yeah. welcome Michael Goodman, who is the managing Ooh. editor of statsbomb.com. Yep. Um, so, yeah, one of the, the awesome things that we can do now is we can take our own data and we can write about it and we can do analysis um, on the site and 
not only can we do analysis, but like we can we can get people to to help us with that analysis. We can bring on young upcoming writers. We can give them access to data. We can give them access to the entire tool set of Statsbomb IQ, which we think is actually really good and is used at the professional level in all sorts of football teams now. So we are totally stoked about that. And Statsbomb.com, basically as of this podcast, is relaunching uh, for to become an essential analysis site for football. Um, this is it. We've we've been a blog basically for, for that's right for a long time, and you know that it's it's been a um, at least for a large part an amateur ex- exercise. Um, we've never been funded. We've yeah. never asked anybody for money. We've never put ads on our site. We've never done any of that stuff um, because it was just there for people to, to sort of post their interesting things for good writers to come on board and do good analysis to do good new work uh, and and hopefully to to give people a place to to read good new work um but now we're also not charging (laughs) we're not charging but um we are turning pro and the idea is that for next season we will be at um basically five pieces a week and people will be compensated for their riding which i think is is pretty exciting as well yeah that's huge we want to be like the best place to to read soccer analysis or football analysis on on the internet how about that? That's pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, for you, the fans out there, <laughs> you're going to get some stats bomb content. You're going to get a lot of stats bomb content. And you should be pretty happy about that. Because <laughs> there hasn't been much recently. And if you're not, we'll give you your money back. <laughs> you give you your no money back. <laughs> but, yeah, no, this is great news. And I guess it's the, the natural end of a, a, a long transition period from, uh, you know, stats bomb starting and, you know, becoming a business and becoming ever larger and ever, ever more successful and it really has over the years you know it's we've we've always worked hard to get good quality work out there and our reputation in, with regards to that is excellent and yeah more more is coming more for the people so that's a little announcement but also as as part of this whole thing where we kind of talk about like the new product that we've got going on and the the new statsbomb.com which is you know the same website but you know we'll have a lot more content um I want to do a little retrospective, especially since we're, we're firing James. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good to revisit your history, especially when you start new things. Um, so I wanted to, to talk a little bit about Statsbomb's start and to thank a bunch of people, but also to kind of talk about our own journeys, because like we, we do get asked about this, and, and people are interested for, well, I mean, they keep asking us to do podcasts, and we never quite understood that, but yeah. <laughs> here we are. Um, so Statsbomb.com started... I started writing in January when I was on chemo of 2013. And I started writing because I was bored and I wasn't allowed to work because I was recovering from my, my surgery for st- testicular cancer. And then I was on chemo and I just needed like anything else to do to distract me from the fact that I, I had cancer and, and it was like a, a very tough time. But also it was like the first time that we – like who scored a debut? It was the first time that we had access to – to like granular detailed data for whatever reason even working in gambling like i hadn't really heard of opta um i've heard of a lot of companies that perform owns now actually like running ball and stuff but we didn't have like the the useful interesting granular data until about that time and then suddenly i was like oh this is really really neat so i started poking around with it i did some very early stuff on like shots on target and on pace like pace was kind of a a big thing because back then ratios were being used for like goal difference ratios um or, or shot different ratios, uh, TSR, total shot ratio, as it were. Uh, James Grayson did a lot of that early work. Um, his, uh, it, I think his methodology was probably pretty good, but his, his theoretical framework was built from hockey, and, and that turned out to be problematic. Um, so anyway, I was doing this stuff, and I was reading Ben Pugsley's stuff, and we actually were publishing on, on a, a Manchester City fan site run by Danny Pugsley, who's his brother, uh, called Bitter and Blue. And I don't know if that still exists, but that was like one of the SB Nation fan sites. And I looked at it and said, you know, we can start our own site, and it'll make a lot more sense than putting this on this Manchester City site. <laughs> so, so maybe I'll just, you know, grab a, a URL and uh, and and build a little website, and we'll go from there. And the very ugly logo at the beginning, but we launched a website, and it, that was Statsbomb started, I think, in either June or July of 2013. Yeah, I think it was June. Yeah. And and that was kind of the story. And I wanted to to give people a place to kind of present their work, 
because at the point at that point it was like literally guys with personal blogs trying to put it on Twitter and get more than like a couple hundred readers at a time. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. That's that's how I got into it. I remember getting into it like that summer. It was just like what's this, you know, found it on Twitter somehow. What's this new blog? This is really interesting. This is all like the kind of numbers and football. Yeah, I'm into that. And, uh, and obviously we were quite ignorant because we were learning things on the fly, but we also had a lot of good ideas and a lot of important stuff back then too. Mm. Uh, we made some some early, very useful, valuable calls, whether it be like Manchester City got too old in some of their signings, and that ended up being very true a couple years down the line, and when Pep came on board, or uh, the Moyes era takeover from Manchester United, and you're like, yeah, Manchester United weren't necessarily their underlying numbers look very troublesome last season seasons under Fergie kind of figured out some things about that but then like it was very early on I think we, we had to wait for 10 games before Ben and I were like Manchester United may not even make the Champions League this year that's how how bad they looked and that was a shocking thing to everybody and this also was like fucking around with some predictive models and very early stages of that but like huge thanks to, to Benjamin Bugsley who who was really one of the pioneers of a public analysis uh, in our era, before then, you know, Gabe Desjardins, who he had learned from, and they were both uh, hockey fans. Like, Gabe did amazing work way, way back uh, from like early Guardian uh, chalkboard stuff, and he did statistical analysis on on value of the the pitch. And so Gabe Gabe's super bright and works in Silicon Valley now. Like plenty of other people, like Danny's stuff early on was on there. Um, I, but one person that I, I like, I guess two that we really should flag up as as like the people that I think had a huge impact on the community that probably don't get talked about that much. Uh, one who doesn't write much at all, and then the other one who's still around uh, grousing uh, pretty much every day. Paul Riley's spam model, which was like, what, shot position, actual? I don't know. Uh, so he was one of the first kind of uh, expected goals type guys, and he used to track the games with his dad. Uh, they would collect their own data for where shots occurred from. And as I said, the hockey paradigm is back then was that all shots are equal. Like the the, the finishing talent, we can't really find it. Um, and and you know it's it's about shot volume. Uh, I think that's changed too. I think hockey came back towards us where we're now like expected goals are a thing and build up play is a thing. And uh, but Paul's stuff was was hugely influential. But one guy that doesn't get a lot of credit because he, he kind of disappeared for various reasons is Colin Trainer. Like Colin Trainer's stuff was awesome. Colin made some some huge insights early on that I'd never seen before, and I'm not sure that that existed elsewhere, but it probably did. Like you know, we find out that many of these things existed before we ever looked at it. Sarah Sarah Rudd and Ravi Ramaneni uh, were both producing amazing work before they shut their blog down. But Sarah is uh, vice president of programming at uh, StatDNA and has been inside StatDNA for a very long time. But she and Ravi, who's now her husband, had some really cool stuff looking at like Villarreal and, uh, and all sorts of interesting early work that has disappeared because they deleted their blog. <laughs> the Wayback anyway. Machine, but no. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what I want this to be. Like, I want to give credit to like all the people that were involved early on and also like to, to tell people about them because they won't necessarily have known. You know, StatsBomb has grown to, what, 20,000, 20,000? 5,000 followers and, and we'll probably get much, much bigger in the coming years. But you know, I, the people that started with us were, were very important and actually very influential on on the actual analysis and figuring out how the game of football works. So Colin produced two amazing early pieces um, on his own blog. And I was like, hey, dude, you should come come over here and write. Like One of them was on near and far post shooting, which was, uh, you know, it was kind of looking at are players shooting enough at the near post versus the far post? And, and there's also the counter corollary, are goalkeepers covering this? And actually, part of the new data that we just talked about is going to be able to possibly help that out a little more uh, in terms of, you know, is this guy cheating too much? And do we know that? And is it on his weak hand? And like, there's all sorts of cool shit that's going to come out of there. But the other one that I think was probably the biggest kind of paradigm that we kind of understood but didn't have quantified at the time was the headers versus feet blog that, that Colin produced early on, which is basically to say that headers from the same distance when you normalize from distance are about half as likely to become goals as shots with feet. And that was like, oh, wow, that's that's way bigger than I thought it was. 
Mm, yeah, that's a lot. And it something I think it can be <laughs> easily forgotten is how prolific both you and Colin were in those those that first year or so, or eight, year or eighteen months. The stats bomb had so much content. Yeah, and Ben too. Uh, power of the age curve, and I was quite bored with my job. I was working in professional gambling, but I think we'd solved a lot of stuff, and you have a lot of downtime. But like any time that I I was doing analysis, I was kind of helping out with with my job as well, because I was trading the English Premier League and a number of other leagues, and also talking to to our other traders about, hey, I learned this, and what do you think about that? So it's like a kind of cool proofing ground for it. Yeah, Colin did did really cool stuff on. Uh, like PPDA came out, so passes per defensive action. Uh, Simon Gleave, you may not have heard of this before, but it's been around for like four or five years. Yeah, and that, that's 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 you know something that still still gets used, and people uh, incorporate it or, or build build their own versions of it now. And you know, really early kind of like attempt to define defensive uh, pressure. Right, and it's still it's still valid. Like we still use it, and I think it's actually a, a pretty cool one. You know, sometimes when you find like. You can find PPDA by like area, so you you start to look at where do teams defend, and and uh, once you get into this section, then they have a very aggressive press. But if you want to stay out over there, they won't even touch you; they won't even come out of the zone. Uh, it's still kind of cool and valuable. Um, how did you get involved, James? How did I get involved? Literally, Ben Bugsy once tweeted, he's like, "Has anyone done a weekly roundup?" Because he used to do weekly roundups, which we did, and no one replied to his tweet. And I thought I could do that; <laughs> I can write one of them. So I did. And then about, so I kept writing and wrote for all well, summer of 2014, all through there I wrote like just whatever came to mind, you know, quite simple stuff, but accessible stuff. That was what, that was my, my thing and try and make things interesting. And then, uh, by that autumn, late that autumn, you were working at Brentford Midgetland and you were like, but still kind of like not running the, the site. And you were like, do you want to stick something on the site? I was like, yeah, go on then. And so I wrote something and then about six months later, I think I said I think I said we need more. We, we were quite quiet, and I think I said we need more writers. And you were like, do you want do you want to edit the site? And I was like, yeah. And then about thirty seconds later, you tweeted out the new managing editor of uh, <laughs> Starsbomb, James York. Everybody. And it was like, oh no, I'm, oh, I'm always right. very deliberate on every decision that I make. I, I spend hours and days and months agonizing over it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and that and then that, and that was it. So then I did that, and uh, me and Ben rejigged the podcast for a while. And then eventually, it turns you out you're quite a good writer, James. Apparently, it's, uh, it, I'll tell you what—it's gone—it's gone remarkably well, and I'm incredibly surprised uh, as to like how my life has moved in that direction, and eventually getting you know working with Statsbomb professionally as well. It's yeah, I, I would have never predicted all that. Literally, the amazing power of Twitter and the internet of uh, just getting into something, learning about it practicing a few things learning a few things writing a lot hell of a lot i mean that, that's one thing that literally everyone that's involved in stats bomb has done at some point is a hell of a lot of work because they just wanted to and because they just wanted to like learn things or find things out you know it's, it's been it's been a, a passion for most people that have been involved in it behind the scenes too you know it's just been you know something that's something that's just been inside people and driven them to do it and they have and loads loads of people around the community have got jobs now in various organizations and um yeah it's 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 really quite heartwarming to see how how you know what was once uh you know a bunch of like just interested people on the internet has become so much bigger and more successful over time that was a sincere compliment by the way you are a very good writer and we've had a number of them on, <laughs> on the website <laughs> Um, one guy that doesn't get talked about nearly enough that is is really one of the guys behind the scenes, but has has made huge strides in in sort of helping and guiding my learning, and we've collaborated for years. And he's a very lovable individual, even if he even if he tries not to admit it. Uh, is Merrick Kwiatkowski? So Merrick Merrick's work for me, uh, he he helped on the programming side very early on so that we could have access to better data to be able to do better analysis. Um, and then I drug him into, into Brentford with me because um, I needed somebody that had really sharp tech skills, but also kind of understood the game. And it's been amazing to work with Merrick over the, the last four or five years. Uh, he, <clears throat> he doesn't write that often. The stuff that he does write ends up being amazing. You should absolutely watch his uh, his presentation from the Optiforum because it's it's one of my favorites and it's really funny and insightful. 
Um, he never probably even gives himself enough credit for his work, but he's been tremendous influence on on everybody that, that interacted with him, um, and also on on Satsbomb itself. And and was part of the reason why we were able to be so prolific was because we suddenly had better quality and better access to to data than we did before. Um, Tom Lawrence also now I, I think Tom Tom might have written the most consistently funny stuff uh, in the analytics community. Um, hugely insightful and, and interesting, but also like incredibly creative. There's some stuff that Tom has done that we're actually going to revisit uh, because of the new data, and I'm really stoked. But Tom's Tom's work um, has, on Statsbomb itself and IQ and all the data has been uh, a massive help. And you know, you wouldn't know it from the last couple of years, but like his his work, he's been really really helpful to to lots of young people getting started. Uh, he's one of the first DMs that a lot of people make, and and he's been great at giving them advice. And you guys would never see that, but he's he's definitely helped launch some careers. So when when I gave it to James, like, it was right in the middle of me working sixty plus hour weeks uh, at Brentford in the very early stages. So that's like May 2015. So we've taken over, or we've been sort of saddled with, however you want to tournament um all of the recruitment and and have to, to basically rebuild everything from scratch and i was like i i always loved sats bomb and i always wanted to continue to see it exist and i i was very frustrated when when i saw the hockey sites that i was impressed by disappear because basically they got hired by teams and and they all got sucked into the sky and their websites went away and i'd never wanted that to happen with sats bomb i thought that we had lots of interesting stuff and it wasn't just my work it was everybody else's work too that was there and i wanted it to continue to exist and that was one of the conditions of me uh, going on board uh, at brentford full-time but i didn't have time to run it and so i gave it to james <laughs> who basically volunteered and i was like yes please do this and you know, the site continued to exist, and it's had a couple of um, sort of ebbs and flows, and and places where there were big upticks in content. Um, when I was when I was made redundant by Brentford, when they did the budget cuts, like I came back and wrote a bunch of stuff. But um, yeah, people like Mo, especially recently, has been awesome. Like Mohammed Mohammed. Um, yeah, he's written a hell of a lot of articles over time. You know, when, when you add it up, I think he surprised himself how many he's written. But yeah, credit, credit to Mo for his consist for being consistent. This is a thing a lot a lot of people as well. They'll, they'll write a couple of articles and then they'll drift off and do something else or whatever. So, so the, the, the handful of people that have stuck at it and, and kept, kept coming back and kept providing content. You know, as as readers and you know fans of the site, you know, those those people are you know worth worth remembering. And most certainly. Very high on that list. You endure as well. Um, coming on board, very cool. Um, and his, he's kind of proven from a zero starting point. To, if you do a lot of self-learning and can teach yourself some stuff, you can really produce interesting, fun work. The the previews, I think, is always the thing that that we took the most time on, the most effort. And when we started them, they were completely unique. Like no one ever did a statistical analysis to my knowledge uh, on a ton of different teams to preview the how they were going to start the season in the Premier League and so we started doing that and yeah, funny enough that brings me to Dustin Ward who's done a, lot, a hell of a lot of uh, good work over the years um, but uh, I, I do recall him doing, doing a uh, Bundesliga preview it was like nothing else. I think it was two yeah. years ago. It, he, had, he, had, he had every team covered, and a fantastically huge piece of work uh, for you know to, to cover an entire league single-handedly. I mean, yeah. and it's and people. It's so funny. Like Colin used to get so frustrated over the years. You you publish something new or interesting, and immediately you get feedback on what's wrong or why didn't you do this or why didn't you do that. And it, I, folks just don't realize how much work that that happens here in order to produce anything at all. Like it's not just the writing. You're not just talking about a narrative. It's not just what you think. It is really digging into the numbers and doing analysis across many different areas and then producing the material. And sometimes you don't agree with it, and that's fine. But like often I just don't feel there's enough respect for, for the work itself. Um, on the flip side, you know, like it'll probably continue to happen. We'll, uh, they'll be writing stuff. Uh, James and I might occasionally produce a thing, but it's not really our goal uh, it is it is something that you know Mike's Mike's a managing editor of the site now. He's recruiting some some really fine young writers to to be involved. We're providing them with data and tools to help them out, and and I think that you know it's gonna it's gonna go from a, a blog that 
deserved a lot of respect for producing really quality work over the years across tons of different contributors who, who made excellent contributions uh, both in the past and recent. And it's going to turn into something that, you know, hopefully will be almost must read every single day, uh, just producing good analysis. Yeah, that's it. It's, you know, it's, it's a new dawn. But, you know, it's, again, like, so we, we got data, we got a new website. I mean, there's, there's, these are good times, Ted. You know, there's a lot going on. And, cre- and credit to you for being the visionary behind, you know, not just the early days, but like uh, the recent times. You know, the, I'm still here. Huge <laughs> things going on, Ted. And uh, without you envisaging all this, uh, none of it would be happening. <laughs> well, I, it's just, it really is a labor of love that turned into uh, a very interesting business. Um, and it's, it's all based on the fact that football is a hell of a lot of fun. And stats is also like, really fun if you're the right type of person and combining the two turned into to something that became passionate about and we still work with a lot of the a lot of clubs and that won't go away like we're getting more and more clubs that kind of trust us to to evaluate things for them whatever that may be and certainly people that they love our tool set uh stats by my queue hopefully we'll we'll have plenty more that are as impressed by by the data because we've put that same level of care into it and also with our website, like we think that there is a, a big audience for this that keeps bugging us to produce podcasts. And so we're like, all right, well, we may not produce as many podcasts for the two of us, but we are certainly going to produce impressive work on the website side. And we're going to arm people with the ability to do that you know, every day of the week, hopefully. And we'll see how people respond. Just to finish up, I mean, we've got we've got the data, we've, we've got a tool set, and we have the website, which is which for all. But like who... What kind of people should be getting in touch with Statsbomb, the business, to like l- look at becoming a customer? We're not just looking at football here, are we? No, uh, certainly media. Uh, right now, we have what we call an analysis data set, and it takes us a long time to collect all the data that we've added to you know, the, the standard data spec. So we're not doing it live, um, but we have the ability to move into that in the future, and we think that all of this stuff is like hugely valuable to media. It's going to be a lot more insightful. If you wanted to create like an analytic stats version of Monday Night Football, potentially with Jamie Carragher and Neville and somebody, <laughs> you you would get a lot more from this data set. And, and like, but like we're also going to help build out tools for media to be able to to use our stuff in in sort of graphically exciting ways. Uh, and then gambling. Like, you know, if you've if we've got all this information, this extra information, I'm pretty sure that it's better than what's collected by most of the major syndicates themselves as well, because I've been inside those and seen what what some of them have. Um, That's also true, too. As for the customer reader level, we have some thoughts on that and we've got a lot of work in front of us to to unlock uh, the data set for our primary customers. But we haven't forgotten you. And as you can see, we have a commitment to producing stuff for kind of the general you know, person on the internet that, that can use things. So just be patient with us. Um, there may be something coming at some point down the road. I think that's enough big announcements for now, but, uh, but be patient. Um, so I think that's probably a good spot to, to wrap up overall. And I want to say thank you, everybody, for sticking with us since 2013 and for listening and for bugging us to do stuff over the years, despite the fact we may be busy. Um, you can see the results of it are here. And thank you especially to James for all your hard work over the past years. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, Ted. I mean, good times. They're here. So there you go. Big announcement, a bit of a retrospective, uh, some kick-ass stuff on the horizon or actually already there because we're talking a, a week in the future. And uh, keep watching this space because there's going to be a lot more cool shit. We're just getting started.